Hi all. Before you begin listening to this episode, I just wanted to correct one of the criticisms of the study that I made at the time that I published this research highlight. I complained about the fact that the authors didn't disclose the survey questions that they used for their participants. That was the case for the free version of the study available at ResearchGate, but as it turns out, when the study was published in the Journal of Sexual Addiction and Compulsivity, the authors did direct readers to an open access link where they could see the full data set from the surveys. So all the questions asked and all the participants' responses as well. The primary author of the study contacted me after I published this episode and helpfully linked me to that data set. So I've updated my show notes and added that link for you all if you want to check it out. And I definitely just wanted to come back here and add this note at the beginning for anyone who might be listening to this episode for the first time. Do keep that in mind as you hear me make those former criticisms. All right, with that aside, I hope you enjoyed listening to our research highlight. everyone and welcome to the Questioning Pornography podcast. This is your host Lily, as always, and today is one of our research highlight episodes where I talk you through a particular study that I read this week. So this week I selected to read a 2020 study by Francesca Palazzolo and Kathy Bettman. The title is Exploring the Lived Experience of Problematic Users of Internet Pornography, colon, a qualitative study. So this study basically explores the various negative effects that some consumers of internet pornography experience, which they attribute to their porn use. So for those of you who don't know, a qualitative study is one that collects and analyzes non-numerical data. So, for example, interviews, testimonies, things like that. And it's not usually focused on strictly proving causation or providing findings that can be broadly generalized to the rest of the population. The goal is more to simply understand a phenomenon as it's experienced by people in their lives. So the researchers chose this qualitative approach because, as they explained in their opening literature review in the study, there was already an established numerical correlation between internet pornography and various negative effects for users. But they wanted to understand exactly what that looked like in porn users' lives and how they experience it and how they interpret it. So getting into the methods of the study, the researchers issued anonymous online written surveys to 53 participants, mostly heterosexual males, who self-identified as experiencing, quote, problematic internet pornography use. They described the survey as consisting of 17 open-ended questions, but What really irritates me about this study is they did not list what those 17 questions were. They summarized in a few sentences. uh, They said the participants were asked whether their porn use had affected their lives and relationships, if they had experienced any specific problems or benefits, and whether they had ever tried to stop or reduce its use. They were also asked if they had ever sought counseling or help in this regard. End quote. So they summarized it and they emphasized that the questions were open-ended and strove to let the participants' experiences speak for themselves. But I mean, I personally really would have wanted to see those 17 questions and make sure they weren't obviously leading questions or anything like that. So that was pretty irritating, but whatever. We're still proceeding with the podcast episode because 
I think identifying possible flaws in studies is an important part of this learning process anyway, and an important process of being able to think critically about these issues. So it's certainly not my intention to only share with you guys studies that I think are completely flawless. I still think there's interesting stuff to pull from the study, and it shares a lot of direct quotes from the participants' responses, which are, which are always helpful. So let's get into the results then. The main three themes that the researchers found of how people thought their pornography use was negatively affecting them was number one, negative effects on mental health and well-being. Number two, negative effects on intimacy and relationships. And number three, experience of dependency on porn. So in other words, feeling addicted. And then the researchers lumped this in with the third category of dependency, although I think it was a bit of a confusing categorization, but they also talked about porn-induced sexual dysfunction, which we explored in more detail on our last research highlight, so be sure to go back to that episode and check it out if you haven't already. Anyway, starting with theme number one, mental health and well-being. It should be noted first that the researchers did attempt to control for underlying serious mental health disorders. So they asked the participants if they had been diagnosed with such a disorder in the past 12 months, and if they had, then those participants were excluded from the study. Now, in terms of what uh, negative effects the participants reported on their mental health, which they felt were caused by their porn consumption, common themes were anxiety, depression, loneliness, decreased motivation, decreased energy, lower moods, a negative effect on their sleep, which of course could mediate a lot of the other negative effects like low energy or low moods, etc. Also feelings of shame or low self-worth, which I will return to and have more comments on. Decreased concentration and an inability to focus on essential tasks like homework or tasks related to their job, even if not doing those tasks would have serious consequences. So a few quotes from the participants on these negative effects on mental health. One guy said, It has caused me to be lonely, depressed, and decreased my motivation to try and do things I care about or things that require some willpower. It has contributed to my social anxiety. Someone else says, I am almost certain that it has contributed to my lack of energy and motivation. Another I experience a hungover feeling now after watching porn. Another participant expressed some confusion over whether or to what extent porn was contributing to his experience of low mental health. So he says, For a very long time, I have been dealing with depression, anxiety, loneliness, and isolation, and it's difficult to determine what is the relationship of my porn use to these problems. On the one hand, Porn has brought me relief and even a better mood in many difficult moments. On the other hand, porn might have influenced my view of women in a negative way. We'll return to the comment on porn affecting views of women later on because it is, uh, it's talked about in more detail in the category on intimacy and relationships. But I just want to comment that this participant's experience of porn bringing him relief in difficult moments may not actually be a good thing. And the reason for this it can be illuminated by the other participants' responses. So one of the other common negative effects that was reported was that they would turn to porn to avoid facing their problems or facing painful feelings, while it would have been better to confront those head-on and actually deal with them. 
another participant described kind of turning to porn for, he said, quote, instant artificial happiness. So using porn in that way to improve your mood can certainly have a nasty side, although it may may appear positive in the moment. Anyway, moving on from that, I think the shame symptom, that experience of shame and low self-worth is worth returning to for a few reasons. Uh, First, let's look more closely at how this shame played out in the study. So the researcher noted that in most cases, the shame was associated with a few different things. So first, it was associated with shame over wasting time viewing porn instead of doing more important things. Second, the inability to quit when they tried. So as one participant described it, he said, the fact that it has any kind of hold over me is disconcerting. So shame over inability to stop. And then third, the shame could be associated with the kind of content that they were watching. So for example, another quote, I look back at some of the things I would search for in disgust now that I have quit. That last point of being disgusted by some of the content that they watch is an interesting one. And I'm quite sure that it's it's a product of what we call escalation. Escalation is a phenomenon which is has been pretty extensively researched. And what it basically means is it's the phenomenon of porn users gradually becoming desensitized to the content which they start out watching. Desensitized meaning they no longer find it arousing. And then as a consequence, they need to constantly keep escalating to new types of porn, new genres, oftentimes more deviant or extreme or shocking content in order to be able to get the same effect that they used to have with the porn that they started out watching. And what's interesting is that in many cases, the porn consumers don't actually like the content they escalate to. And in many times they report finding it disgusting, which is what this participant reports. And I find that especially interesting because a lot of people will argue that one of the great things about porn is it helps people explore their natural sexual tastes. But what is actually happening for a lot of people, unfortunately, is it's not allowing them to explore their natural sexual tastes. It's driving them away from what's their natural sexual taste and what they actually like. And it's forcing them to end up seeking out stuff that they don't like and that they find disgusting because they need, due to desensitization, they need ever novel, more extreme forms of stimuli in order to overcome that blunted arousal response that porn induces. So That's one reason why I just wanted to highlight the shame piece a little bit to talk about the role that escalation was seeming to play. And the other reason I wanted to highlight it is just because shame is kind of a tricky thing to navigate when it comes to understanding and talking about porn's harms. A lot of people will argue, for example, that it isn't the porn which is causing these negative symptoms of mental health. It's the stigma that society puts on porn which will consequently cause porn consumers to feel shame. So it's the stigma that we need to get rid of. And the answer as a result is to just essentially further normalize and kind of promote porn. Now, I do have some nuanced thoughts on that statement. I certainly don't think that the answer is to further normalize and promote porn. I think that there are a lot of harmful effects about porn, stigma aside, and further normalization is not the answer. I also think that 
porn is pretty darn normalized already, so I don't think the stigma is as strong as many people like to suggest, at least not within the younger generations of, you know, contemporary secular society. But I do agree that shaming people for watching porn is not likely to be helpful. Doesn't mean we can't talk about porn's harms. You know, I can talk about the health risks of obesity without shaming obese people, for example. But I think that's that's generally the way to go, to acknowledge porn's harms and seek to address porn's harms, but try not to shame people in the process. And certainly, especially if, as in the case of the participants in this study, someone already recognizes the negative effects of their porn consumption, but is having difficulty quitting, I think shaming is especially damaging and counterproductive for someone trying to overcome addictions. And I've seen that many times. Anyway, lots more I could say on the shame note, but let's move on. So that kind of wraps up the section on mental health in the study. And we do have a lot more research, by the way, that links porn to lower mental health and lower cognitive outcomes. So things like the decreased concentration and whatnot, that would be in the cognitive outcomes category. Um, so again, according to the count of the Your Brain on Porn Research Archive, which is my go-to website, uh, we currently have over 85 studies on this topic of mental health and cognitive outcomes. So I will link those in the show notes for your further exploration if you are interested. But moving on to the second major theme that the researchers found, negative effects on intimacy and relationships. There are a few common sub-themes here. So the first is that many participants would neglect their relationships with friends or family or whoever because they were always self-isolating in order to watch porn. The second, and I find this one especially interesting, is participants reported that their porn use makes that made them less motivated to seek out real relationships and real connections because they would turn to porn to have their intimacy needs met instead. And of course, that's having them met in an artificial way, uh, as porn is very much a solo activity and there's no real intimacy involved at all. But this is what the participants are experiencing. And this was experienced with all types of relationships, but especially for romantic relationships. So as one participant described, quote, I have chosen the ease of porn over trying to find a new partner. Another similarly said, instead of pursuing real sexual relations and healthy friendships with women, porn has served an easier, quicker solution. So this tendency to use porn as an easier substitute for real relationships is something that I've been particularly concerned about. And I wasn't surprised at all that it's a prominent finding in this study. Another interesting thing is that on the flip side, the participants also reported that quitting pornography had a positive effect on their relationships. The reason why this is interesting is because it's a further hint for causation. Uh, so anytime you remove the single variable of porn use and see an improvement in the negative symptoms, that's a hint that the porn was indeed the root cause of those negative symptoms. They didn't just happen to coincide together. But of course, this is a qualitative study which relies on anecdotes and doesn't control other variables in a rigorous way the way you would do in a lab experiment, for example. Uh, so there could be confounding variables going on in these people's lives which aren't identified. But I still think that it is an interesting hint and one certainly worth considering. And then finally, another sub-theme uh, in this intimacy and relationships category is 
porn contributing to the participants' views or expectations surrounding women and that having a negative effect on their relationships with women. So some of them talked about how it gave them unrealistic beauty standards, for example, so that they ceased to find the typical women attractive. And then others talked about this issue of porn priming them to see women merely as sex objects. So, for example, they talked about things like seeing women and the only thing they can think about is masturbating as if she was a porn clip, right? And that resonated deeply for me. I have to admit that that issue of porn kind of messing with guys' brains to the effect that they it's hard for them not to just view women as sex objects, that does have a particularly special place in my heart for many reasons. First of all, because I'm a woman and that's not how I want to be viewed as a sex object, but also because I've had a number of guy friends who have expressed to me that that's what porn has done to them. So I have a lot of vicarious direct experience with that. But what's really so amazing is when I get to witness or at least hear about after the fact, when I get to hear about that work being undone. Uh, so I've had a number of guy friends who've gone through the process of quitting porn. And this is a common theme I'll hear, is that they'll notice the way that they're able to view and interact with women start to shift. And in many cases, they'll express to me that they didn't even know how much porn was warping their view of women and how much it was encouraging them to see women as sex objects until they started abstaining from porn. And then it's like, these glasses come off and it's this whole new world of being able to engage with women in a totally different much more fulfilling way and they had no idea that world was open to them and I just find that so so beautiful and it never fails to make me exceptionally happy when I hear about a guy's success story in that way. Anyway, back to the research. So that closes off theme two, uh, the negative effects on intimacy and relationships and then theme three was the experience of dependency. So this section was either about participants feeling like they were addicted or reporting symptoms and experiences that are consistent with addictive disorders. So on the feeling addictive side of things, there was a lot of language around, you know, feeling powerless to quit or compelled to use by really intense cravings, and then also spending so much time on porn that they started to neglect other important parts of their life, such as work or studying, or as we mentioned, neglecting uh, relationships. And then there's the symptoms which are associated with addictive disorders, which the participants reported. Uh, one of those symptoms we've already talked about, which is the escalation. Escalation is kind of a hallmark of addiction. In the case of porn, we mentioned that it often takes the form of escalating to more extreme content. It can also be escalating to consuming greater quantities of porn or consuming with much more frequency. And this mirrors what happens in other addictions, like substance addictions, for example. People will often escalate to needing more drugs or needing stronger drugs in order to get the same effect. So some quotes from the participants which illuminate this, this experience of escalation. One says, At first I watched relatively soft porn, and as years passed by, I moved towards more brutal and degrading kinds of porn. Another one, I went from watching straight porn to she-male porn, female with a male appendage, to gay porn. How I feel about it? Confused. Regarding that latter quote, I've seen a lot of anecdotes elsewhere 
about the escalation phenomenon making porn making porn users confused about their sexual orientation and it, it goes in all sorts of directions not just straight guys finding they're watching gay porn but also gay guys finding they're watching straight porn or whatever i remember reading about a gay man who was devastated after he found himself escalating to watching straight porn and he was terrified about what that meant for his identity so again porn is not always about helping people explore their real sexual identity or their real sexual tastes as we can see it's often a confusing factor instead and then uh, following that note of escalation and the desensitization that's behind it we spoke in our last research highlight about how that's a key part of why porn can sometimes cause sexual dysfunctions. And the researchers in this study note that about their participants' responses too. So, you know, as they grow desensitized and escalate to more extreme types of porn, they lose their ability to be aroused by relatively normal sexual stimuli, such as partnered sex. And so they have erectile dysfunction or other sexual problems when trying to have sexual intercourse with an actual partner. So for example, one participant says, it has kept me from having sex, exclamation point, lots of times, exclamation point, because I can't stay erect, enough said. All right, so in conclusion, an interesting study, not my favorite in terms of how they reported on their methodology, as we discussed at the beginning, but that's okay, I guess. Ultimately, the findings in the study and the quoted responses and everything, they do strongly echo a lot of what I've read elsewhere, either in the research or in testimonies from porn addiction recovery forums or whatnot. So, you know, the failure to disclose their interview questions made me a little bit distrustful, but I'm not too hung up on it. Um, and I think there's still some good findings here. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in to listen to the Questioning Pornography podcast again, and I hope you learned something. Hope to have you back for future episodes, and have a great day.